uh-huh. invest in and follow principles that has proved to be pretty successful. This landlord is going to make almost two million bucks over the next twelve years for doing something one time, mm-hmm. and that's like residual. This guy's got another seven retail spaces, and he's got ten stories of apartments above it. And I'm like, man, I'm on the wrong side of the coin, right? I need to own real estate, not brokerage. You start doing deals that are absolutely life changing, like that put you on the path for intergenerational wealth. Welcome to the Real Estate Home Runs Podcast. I am your host, Louis Van der Horst. This is a podcast for busy professionals who want to learn about passive income producing strategies that have helped others crush it in the real estate world. Whether you are a new or seasoned real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Today, we have a very unique podcast episode. This is the first time that I'm interviewing two guests and also the first time that I have two Air Force pilots. I'm excited to get to know these guys, Ricardo and Patrick. Thanks for being here. Heck yeah, man. It's awesome to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited. Let's start with Air Force. How do you guys get connected with the Air Force? What was that journey like? Yeah, so it's a little different for both of us, but for me, in a nutshell, Luis, my dad was in the military. He still works for an outfit that supports the military, so he's been turning wrenches on aircraft his whole life. My brother followed in his footsteps as an aircraft mechanic as well. He's a uh, chief master sergeant here in Tucson, where we're stationed at davis Monthan. And right after high school, I decided to jump into the civilian sector, not go military. And a little bit of that was because I wanted some different experience, and the mortgage industry was doing well. I started working for City Mortgage. I worked there for about six or seven years. And then afterwards, I decided I wanted to do something maybe a little more interesting. The irony about all this is I started off doing real estate and mortgages. I went and flew and now I'm back doing this. So it is still super interesting, but got my commission out of University of South Florida ROTC program in Tampa. And then I got sent to undergraduate pilot training in Columbus, Mississippi, where I met Pat. We've been awesome friends since. And so I've been in about seven years and currently fly the EC-130. So it's been a real cool experience, man. I love it. I can't say enough good things about it. That's kind of the quick and dirty. Yeah. Ricardo and I, we met in our pilot training class. That was the first place we met is we went to pilot training together. We were in the same class. We flew T6s together, and then we both flew T38s together. And then we actually both became instructor pilots together. So I was teaching on the T38 and Ricardo was on the T6 teaching brand new students how to fly. And then they would leave after we were done with them as full pilots. And they would go on to their aircraft. So we did that for about three years after pilot training. And now I'm flying the F-16, enjoying that. But Ricardo and I became best friends, built that bond, and then decided to become business partners not too long ago. Do you guys have a favorite aircraft that you like to fly or are they pretty much all the (laughs) same? Yeah, that's kind of a loaded question. You know, it's (laughs) like... Hey, you have to love the aircraft that you're flying, but the EC-130 is awesome, man. It's a bus, essentially. So I'll be quick to tell you, I do miss flying upside down. I miss some of the attributes of the nimble, maneuverable aircraft. So I had a blast in the T-6. EC-130 is a little easier on the body, on the back, on the neck, but yeah, Pat can't say that. <laughs> yeah, the F-16, being a fighter, you know, it. we do air-to-air, we do air-to-ground, we're multi-role, we go fast, we go upside down, we can pull a lot of G-forces, 9Gs. It can take a toll on you, but it can do a lot of things, and it's pretty exciting. Every day, you never know what you're going to get, basically. You have to be on your toes. Yeah, things have been quick going over the speed of sound, you know. So where did the name Vector come from? Vector Equity. 
I don't know. When we thought about it, Luis, we came up with a couple of different ideas and approaches to it. And the goal was to represent what we do. In aviation, you know, you can fly a vector, a vector and equity together both represent precision aim, navigation, but the creation of wealth over a period of time. And so we wanted something that wasn't going to, and Pat said this, you know, we can't beat somebody over the head with the term, like if we were to do like top gun properties or something, we're, <laughs> we're going to do that. You know, hopefully there's not a top gun properties out there if they're listening, whatever, but <laughs> so we wanted something to somewhat represent what we do and to start the conversation much like we're doing right now. Hey, where'd it come from? So that's kind of the quick background on it. And what kind of deals you guys look for whenever you're evaluating multifamily properties? Yeah, our big thing is we're trying to get value add opportunities and we're trying to build generational wealth and passive income. So we're not looking for the quick buy, flip and sell. We're more looking for the buy, reposition, do some of your light value add, get the property looking nice, getting a better experience for our residents in the process of getting, building better and sustainable multifamily housing. And then also being able to refinance that, get your money back, your equity back, and then continue to hold that and build that generational wealth. Because there's a great quote, the money isn't in buying and selling, it's in holding. So that's really our goal. A lot of these big companies do the quick five year out and that's great but we're looking for more of that longer term hold. Also, Luis, something to kind of capitalize on there too is it's important to recognize where we're at in our careers, right? So we have our W-2 pay as Air Force officers, which necessitates a certain amount of time from us every week. You know, Pat may be flying two or three times a week or a sim two times a week. I'm flying nights one week. So we can't fool ourselves either. That is the primary job that we fulfill as officers in the military. And then we don't even consider this. This is not a side hustle for us. This is our career. It's just we're creative with the way we approach our time and two heads are better than one, right? And so over time, how we approach it, our goals and our vision is going to change as we get closer to when we make our exit strategy out of the Air Force. So that's just just something to kind of touch on there with respect to what we're doing with our time and how we change that over a period of time. And it's a unique position because you're able to leverage your W-2 job to be able to fund, you know, those long-term goals with real estate. That was one of the first questions when we were working, because we work with a local lender, which by the way, huge proponent of it. When we started listening to different podcasts like Bigger Pockets and stuff, one of the first things I would hear is you'd hear Brandon or somebody else speak to, hey, invest in your backyard. Grant Cardone always talks about that. Invest in your backyard. In addition to investing in your backyard, get a lender from your backyard. But let me tell you, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to go to the table, speak to a lender and they say, hey, what have you done? What's your job? And then you simply tell them, you know, I don't have a W-2. So now that net worth requirement or that to income ratio is going to look a little bit different for you. Whereas one of the things Pat and I bring to the table, as well as our families, is we do have that sustainable income, the W-2 predictability of it. So if the lender wants to say, hey, can you show me your pay stubs for the last five years? Hey, no big deal. Give me a sec. I'll email it to you. And we all know the Air Force is not going to go anywhere. It's going to be around. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, mission essential, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. I personally started with wholesaling and I had the time, not a lot of time, but I have more time than other people and got my feet wet in real estate with wholesaling, being able to save up. And the goal is to grow the multifamily passive income category. Did you guys just start with multifamily or did you dabble with single family? 
we jumped right in. We both own our own homes, but other than that, multifamily was our first investment property. And we were able to do that through our education, listening to podcasts like this and reading the books and watching YouTube and just educating ourselves, but then also talking to others. We found some people that were already in the space that we knew that were investing in real estate and we talked to them. What do you wish you had done sooner? What is your advice for us? So we found that that was really what helped us catapult to multifamily first off the bat and skipping single family homes and duplexes and quadplexes. Not that there's anything wrong with those. There's still plenty of money and opportunity in those spaces. But we found for us, the economies of scale of multifamily just completely was the biggest factor in making us go that way first and skipping over all the smaller stuff and getting straight into that commercial five plus units. Yeah. And when we were starting to look, man, there was a large single family residence mindset that we bred and that we had. And you've probably heard this from folks in the past. Hey, we're going to take down one house a year for the next 20 years, which in theory, it sounds great, right? Like, especially for us in the Air Force, we have our active duty careers that we're balancing. Hey, that's awesome for us to have our TSP or our IRAs. Uh, with our regular income, plus some rental properties, maybe 5, 10, 15, 20. And then we split that equity up over a period of time. We have a nest egg and that distributes cash flow that we want for the rest of our lives. But exactly what Pat talked about, we had a transformative conversation with a, a mentor of ours who essentially highlighted to us the economies of scale. And that was like our premonition. That was like the epiphany. I remember having a call that night. It was really late on the East Coast. So Pat like had to fly the next day or whatever, but we finished up the Zoom meeting and he texted me and he was like, we got to think bigger. And I was like, way bigger. And we had a quick phone call that night. And I was just like, man, like, why were we thinking that way? And to anybody who's listening, like, it's not necessarily that it's your fault. It's just sometimes you're not presented the data or how easy something can be or an actual path for you to follow. And so what I say to that is keep asking the questions, keep talking to people, talk to people with a bigger mindset than you have. And eventually something will present itself and you'll latch onto it and say, that's the road I want to travel. It's not, a, I can, but how can I? Yeah. How can I tackle this 200 unit? And yeah. also understanding that like, yes, it's best to have those many units and have less roofs to yeah. deal with than having yeah. that spread out and then having all those roofs to replace. Yes. Yeah, yes. Less property managers. The maintenance team can go to one place and take down a hundred doors and versus having a hundred family homes all over the place. I know Rod Khalif talks about that a lot when he built his huge single family home residence, it would take him one day what he could get done in an hour with his multifamily, just due to that, the maintenance guys didn't have to drive all around. Tony Robbins says this, Luis, and this is something that kind of rings true with me. And he says, your state of mind determines your execution. And mm -hmm. you can have a small state of mind or you can choose to have a large state of mind. And this is something that Pat and I, and we have to continue working on this in terms of that mentality is you don't want to just think like a hundred times bigger, right? That's kind of unrealistic. You know, 10X, I think is great. You think about it from a Grant Cardone perspective, is this goal large enough right now? And is it realistic for me to achieve 
But at the same time, it's a two-way road with me and Pat. And we have a really good partnership that we bring to the table, whereby there are some things that he provides and that I may need some help with and vice versa. And one of them is that state of mind and thinking, hey, look, how big can we think right now? Can we stretch our dollars? And exactly like you said, instead of asking yourself or saying, I don't have the money, how can I get the money? Because there's a lot of people out there. We were talking to a dude the other day. No kidding. He told us, I have more money than I do time. So if you can give me a deal synopsis in what in five minutes, I'm willing to part ways with that money, which is awesome, right? That's what every investor wants. Bring it on. I'll pitch you the best deal I can and we'll form a partnership. It's good that you share that because I wanted to have you guys shed some light into finding the right partnerships and even this partnership between you two guys and how that relates to finding the right partners on a bigger scale. So what were some things that you guys saw that made you both complement one another and made it seem like, yeah, you know what? This is the right move. This is the right decision to make. Yeah. Well, Ricardo and I are lucky. We've been friends, you know, pretty much since we got in the air force for seven years now. And we've developed a great friendship and a great bond. Ricardo's best man in my wedding. So we're very lucky to have developed this friendship. And to us, when I text Ricardo and I say, Hey, Let's go into business. Let's go real estate. He says, yep, no questions asked. So we're really lucky, but we've built that over the years, just getting to know each other. And I know Ricardo's strengths and weaknesses. And I know Ricardo's really good with some things that I'm maybe not as good at. Ricardo's great people, person, networking, really good orator and has some incredible talents. I'm more of the numbers guy. So I work with our spreadsheets. I deal more with our underwriting, deal more with the taxes and insurance kind of stuff. So we've had a really good partnership once we broke it down and we realized the two ways that we were going to go and focus. Now that doesn't mean Ricardo doesn't understand the underwriting and I don't network and talk to investors and do all that. We both can overlap, but we know at the end of the day, we have very strong people kind of covering all our bases. So I would say it might be nice to get into business with a partner that's exactly like you and you both can bond, but that might not be the best thing for your business. The best thing for your business might be going into business with someone who's not like you and has different strengths. That way you can complement each other. You got to be similar enough to where you're not button heads all the time and and you like each other. But I think having different strengths and weaknesses is the biggest thing. Yeah. I think if just to kind of piggyback on that for a minute in aviation, Luis, and in the military in general, you have strategic planners and tactical planners. The strategic planner is the overall battle space is who are the players? Who's red, who's blue, what's happening. Um, how long are we going to be here for the dollars behind the investment and the resources at our disposal? The tactical planners are more boots on the ground, the actual weapons delivery itself, the TOT or the time over target. And so Pat and I both bring a lot to the table. Pat does does a lot from the strategic perspective in terms of thinking overall big picture, uh, risk analysis, underwriting, crunching of the numbers, taxes, insurance, cost segregation, depreciation. And then I'm boots on the ground here. So from that tactical perspective, the asset management, I'm very active with our property manager, who's a vertically integrated property manager. They're awesome. They bring a lot to the table. I work closely and I'll knock on doors of our residents and say, hey, my name is Ricardo. I own the place with Patrick. We're trying to establish a better living and a better quality 
in life for you. How can we do that? Together with our powers combined, Pat and I identified ways that we can get that NOI up, increase the cash flow. But by the same token, we recognize that the end user for us is our resident. And so if we're moving the needle for them, if we can do it from both that strategic and that tactical perspective, that's a good day for us. And we're moving that needle, which is kind of our why. But yeah, so strategic, tactical, we bring it to the table. And I think you have to have both that macro and micro perspective. And and that's what we have. For those of you listening, in case you don't know what the NOI is, is the net operating income. So this is what's left after you have taken all your expenses from the income coming in. What are some podcasts? You guys have mentioned different podcasts that have stood out to you. What are some podcasts that you would recommend to other people looking to deploy their capital and some deals and grow their knowledge in real estate? So I think some of the podcasts, let me make sure I check and I'm not missing any, but I know Lifetime cash flow through real estate, Rod Khalif's podcast is really good. The best ever real estate investing advice ever with Joe Fairless. That's a great one. They focus on apartment syndications. Also, they have their syndication school. If that's more of what you're looking to get some knowledge on, Jake and Gino, those yeah. three are kind of the big ones for the multifamily. I think Bigger Pockets is a great one for more of the single family and kind of just learning about the basics of real estate. I think that's a good one. And then those three that I mentioned are kind of my three go-tos for multifamily. Yeah, I agree with Pat on those. I think Pat and I started off listening to Bigger Pockets a lot. And Bigger Pockets mm-hmm. is great. Look, I'm not going to take anything away from them. They have tens of thousands of followers and listeners, and they provide value-added content. It's more of the single-family scape, though. It's more of the burr, the fix-and-flip mindset. And so when Pat and I transitioned to the multifamily, we kind of put that aside for a little bit, and we started listening to those three. Also, I'm going to start YouTubing you now as well, Luis, which is awesome, man. But all YouTube multifamily stuff and just listen to folks talk about it or a lesson learned. You may not get like this nationally syndicated podcast that takes place over a long period of time, but you don't know how many times Pat and I, I've been in the gym, I'm texting Pat, I'm like, we need to learn a little bit more about seller financing. And no kidding, man, you just YouTube seller financing. And this dude has a whiteboard and talks to you for nine minutes. Those are key and those are critical because it provides that diversity of thought. You're not just getting it from Joe Fairless or Rod Cleef or Grant Cardone. You're getting it from somebody like ourselves or you or or somebody else who's done the deal. And it's good to look at those. That's so good. And self-education will make your fortune. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. There's something to be said about also knowing who you're listening to and kind of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. We found that a lot of times we would go back and listen to podcasts from even 2019, 2018. The market's different now. The market's way hotter. So I think it's important to also get some people who are actively investing in what you're looking for. It's great. This guy might have 10,000 doors that he's built through the last 50 years, but he's going to be talking about things that maybe aren't applicable to today in this market and post COVID or whatever it may be. So I think it's important you get that diversity like Ricardo's talking about. And it's so interesting too, when you listen to these podcasts, like without looking at the date, I can tell you if it's pre-COVID or post-COVID. The overall tone is just completely different. It's much more of a seller's market right now. You have you know tighter restrictions from lenders, higher DSCRs, debt service coverage ratios. When I first started with the bigger pockets, I thought, you know what, I'm going to rewind back to the very beginning. And I stopped doing that after like episode two. I was like, this is just not as relevant for me anymore. Times are changing so quickly now and you have to stay as relevant as possible. And those that were already in the online world seem yeah. to just soar through yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got to be creative. You never know when you're going to get a situation that is going to cause you to pivot. 
Have you guys noticed anything that you implemented now after COVID that has helped you or things that you, situations that you, you would have approached differently? I think the biggest thing is just trusting your underwriting and just making sure that, I mean, margins are tight right now. And a lot of people are trying to sell discount properties at their highest price at and I would say the biggest thing is don't just try and do a deal just because you want to do a deal and you haven't done one in a little bit or you're just pressing too hard. Like you still got to look at the numbers. Does it make sense? Now you might have to take a little bit of a cut just based on the market, but I think just trusting yourself and your underwriting. And if the deal's not right, don't do it just because you're bored. Yeah, don't force it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't force it. That's huge, man. Because Pat and I, for a couple of months, were just grinding, trying to identify deals. And then when a deal does come across our desk, quickly analyze it to determine if it meets our metrics. Well, the frustrating part, and it gets you disenchanted with it, is every once in a while, you'd get that deal that would come across your desk, you look at it, and it just doesn't meet the metrics. And so you're like, dang, okay, cool. We have to say no to that. But after like seven or eight no's, there is something in you that wants to look at it from a different emotional perspective and say, you know what? We could probably make these numbers work. It may not cash flow day one, but we got some value add ideas, you know? <laughs> and so then the conversation theme changes. And so it's more, uh, all right, Pat, we may be able to cover the debt service for a couple of months out of our own pocket. Are you okay with doing that? And it's all because we went stale on deals for a long period of time. So to the listeners out there that are in that same boat, which is right now in this market, stay the course, don't get emotional, trust the numbers, make data-driven decisions. I spoke to a gentleman, uh, an investor over the phone, my next door neighbor is a commercial banker. And so through happenstance one day, I'm talking to her and I throw out like some acronym, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, Ricardo, why are you saying that? She doesn't know what DSCR is. And she was like, well, what DSCR are you is the min threshold. And I was like, do you know what DSCR is? And it was foolish of me to say that because she's a commercial banker, but she said, I specialize in multifamily. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't you tell me? So the remainder of that conversation that evening was monopolized. He's my buddy and it's his wife. And I'm just talking to her across the dinner table for like two hours about the market in the Northwest versus here. But essentially trust the numbers, make data-driven decisions as opposed to getting emotional with it because you can, you'll lose heart, you'll lose faith. We're humans. We go through troughs and we have our lulls. And that's why the strength and partnerships that Pat and I bring to the table is so good because you need a partner that way. You need a partner who's going to help lift you up. And it could be I'm on a down day and Pat says, it's all good, bro. We're going to get through this. I'll handle these tasks today. We'll regroup tomorrow or vice versa. So look for somebody like that. Look for that attribute in somebody when you start a partnership. And there's no going around that in the Air Force. I'm sure they drill you with mindset. Yeah, no, you can't even say that in the Air Force. You got to salute crisply and you got to be there. There's no negotiation at all. (laughs) The one thing they talk about a lot is the wingman mentality. Like you always have a wingman with you to check your six, look behind you and check for an enemy and look out for you. And if they see things going wrong, they speak out and everyone's allowed to talk about things that are safety of flight or, or anything everyone has that ability. And that's the same thing for Ricardo and I. If we see something in the other one, like we're both allowed to comment on it and address it. You can't be afraid of either hurting feelings or, or oh, I don't want to upset them even more. You have to just be able to have the tough conversations with each other and, and talk about it. Those build accountability and report and strengthen relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To wrap this up, what are Three things that you guys feel have helped you hit real estate home runs, whether it be mindset 
or tangible things that you have applied as you're managing your properties or communicating with other partners in your team's service providers or as you're analyzing deals, anything that you guys want to share? Yeah. So you hear a lot of big time investors, dudes with deep pockets always talk about just take action. So I'll let that one be, just take some sort of action. But there is one that I don't see a lot of people implementing, but there is a value that we bring to the table that is not necessarily a monetary value that you can capitalize on. I hear it all the time. We talk to investors from all over the country and they got a lot of heart, but not a lot of capital and that's okay right? You may not have the cash to invest in a deal for a syndication or a joint venture, but you might have a subject matter expertise. And that's something that's within our control. There are things in military that we recognize are out of our control in the battle space that add to that fog of war. And then there are things that are within our control. And if we can control what's within our control, we are that much stronger. And so, for example, in our squadron, we have, you know, 69 pilots, give or take. You can't quite become an expert in every facet of that aircraft. Pat flies the F-16. He's not going to be, I'm sorry to say it, but an expert in all weapons deliveries, in the gun, in a missile, in a bomb, in the radar that he has on board his aircraft. Oh, not to mention all the systems, hydraulics, electrical configuration. There's so many different aspects of an aircraft. So what we do is we kind of piecemeal it together and each person represents, has a subject matter expertise. And so when you go into the squadron and you're looking for SLED or you're looking for Captain Torres, essentially you say, or when you're looking for um, information on a certain topic, you can go to a specific person who has that expertise. And so how do I tie it into real estate? It's like this, study something that is going to allow for you to add value to a relationship with a potential investor or a partner. And then you're the dude who understands seller financing. You're the dude who understands a master lease option. You're the dude who understands underwriting and risk analysis. And so when you do that, you now add value to a relationship and then that quid pro quo begins to happen. Then it reciprocates. You meet somebody who has no time, but a lot of money, but who says, you know what? You got a lot of experience. I would like to use that. You can use my capital and you do the sweat equity and we can make it happen. So I think that, and then the second piece is, I see a lot of people doing this, but when you network, I think it's important to network with the intent to provide value and help, not to expect it in return. That's good. When you do that, man, when you do that, what you end up finding is you may have a swing and miss six times, but if your swing and miss is tied to an idea that you have in your mind, which was, I need to secure $500,000 for a down payment, or I need this person. Forget about that for a moment. Just network to add value and provide assistance to somebody and it will come. It'll come back to you. And then I think the third thing for me would be to just reach out, ask for help, talk to those mentors, find someone, listen to the podcast, join the Facebook groups. They're out there. People want to help. Email Ricardo and I, like we'd be happy to have a call with you. Like we'll call, we're not going to try and sell you anything or everyone wants to help. And like Ricardo said, like network with the intent to help. So people want to help you. So just reach out and ask and set up those calls, go to the meetings, go to the meetups, read your books. Like do whatever it takes to find the people that have information that that you want and need. And you never know how your strength may be something they're looking for as well. Yeah. Or vice versa. They may give you one nugget that may change your life, but it all happened because you took action. Like Ricardo was saying. Yeah. You take action and then you're absolutely right. Luis. That's another good point. You could have this 20 minute conversation with somebody who you may not think they bring a lot to the table for you at that moment, but they say something like, 
you know what, my aunt is looking to offload these properties and it's not on the market just yet. Would you like to take a peek at them? Or, hey, my best friend was actually talking to me about that same scenario the other day. Hey, do you mind if I talk to your best friend? Can I speak to him for something? That's where those opportunities lie and that's where they exist. And that's where it's up to you. You would never have been presented that opportunity if you would not have taken that call, if you would have not jumped on that Zoom meeting, if you would not have had that, uh, that meeting over a beer, or over coffee, because you never know. It's out there. You just have to kind of dig and find a little bit. So how can people stay in contact with you guys? They want to know what you're up to they have a question or maybe want to share something with you that stood out to them from this interview? Yeah. I mean, they can just email us, check out the website, vectordequity.com, Patrick at vectordequity.com, Ricardo at vectordequity.com, social media, vectordequity, pretty easy Instagram. We make all the content ourselves. So if anyone ever wants to see anything specific, we'll do a couple posts on a topic. We'd love to interact that way and get some requests, but we're posting multiple times a week and just trying to add value to everyone. So please feel free, email us, call us, DM us, whatever. Yeah. Big thing there, Luis, is this is just because we're active duty military dudes, right? And pilots, we can speak to the active duty side of it. And we have some cool tips and tricks as to how you can deploy your money from creative ways, i.e. self-directed IRA, the equivalent of that for the military in terms of a TSP loan, the pitfalls that Pat and I experienced to help you avoid those. Pat and I are in a position right now where it's absolutely, this is, uh, it's not a shallow, hollow request. If you want to set up a call to talk about how you can scale your business, I've taken two calls in the last week and, and shared my screen to talk to an inspired investor who wants to do that. And no kidding, it's us being able to explain to somebody what a profit and loss statement looks like, defining NOI, which you talked about earlier, how to reduce your operating expenses, how to negotiate with the property manager to lower that as you scale up. Like We're super happy to talk about these things because we recognize in this industry, when you help others, you end up helping yourself out in the long run. So please reach out to us. We're happy to help out. Is there anything that I maybe should have asked but missed that maybe you guys want to tap into? No, man, you knocked it out of the park, Luis. If there's anything that we didn't speak of, we can absolutely talk to somebody offline about. I think it's super critical that you write down your goals, that you have a clear vision as to what you want. Pat and I have a living document. It's our business plan. It's our six month, one year, three year, five year, 10 year goals. And those are constantly changing because I look back on my goals last year and they were puny as compared to where they should have been. So put it down on paper, look at it frequently. Continue to remind yourself as to where your mindset was at and then recognize how your mindset has changed that delta from Ricardo's goal, Pat's goal in 2020 to his goal in 2021. Wow, that changed a lot. How can I continue to transform that? And then you look back on everything and say, yeah, I mean, I got the deal. I'm super happy with it. What's next? So again, it goes back to that whole, just take action, write down your goals. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for your time. And I definitely got a lot of value out of it. And I'm sure my audience did. So thank you. Thank you for for having us. We'll have to do it again, man. Absolutely. All right. Have a great day. Okay. See you. We hope you enjoyed this interview and got some value out of it to help you in your real estate investing journey. If you can take just a minute, please do us a favor and leave a review. Hit the like button on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to our podcast on and subscribe so you can hear future episodes. Also, don't forget to check out our Real Estate Home Runs Podcast community Facebook group where you are able to connect with some great listeners. If you're an investor who is crushing it and want to share some information centered around passive income in real estate, please contact
contact us. Hit those home runs, and we will see you next time.